Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 1, Episode 8. What is it that drives you? Why do you get out of bed in the morning, or in the evening if you happen to work nights? Do you love your work? Do you hate it? Are you more meh about the whole thing? Oh, you might be thinking, ah, he's going to talk about motivation. And you'd be wrong. I'm going to talk about values. Now, admittedly, values are to motivation what standing around a railroad track is to getting hit by a train. If you don't have the first, the second one is not going to follow. Okay, so maybe I am going to talk a little bit about motivation, but only a little. There are people, and maybe you know some of them, who have a really low give-a-rip factor. And those are the people that it's really difficult to motivate. They're the people who really don't care. Now I want to ask you this question. What does it mean to have good values? Good in what way? See, I have a hunch about that. Put this in the category of informed theory, but lacking the faintest hint of research. See, it seems to me that good values are those beliefs that can be used to motivate people toward shared, mutually beneficial outcomes. Now, usually when people are described as having bad values, it simply means that they are pursuing things that I do not value. And, yes, it is a bit of a judgment call. Now, I'm not making an argument for relativism. There is such a thing as absolute truth, or what Francis Schaeffer called true truth, though it does seem odd that we'd have to qualify it that way. See, It is important, though, that we recognize that we don't necessarily hold the one right perspective on anything. Let's talk about why that is. You see, whether you know it or not, you hold two different sets of values. These are called terminal values and instrumental values. Terminal values are also called end values because they represent your personal bottom line for what's most important. Terminal values are the things that matter most, the things that you would lay down your life for, the things that are most worth pursuing, at least for you. I think I mentioned this earlier. It was Dr. Martin Luther King who said, if you haven't found anything you're willing to die for, you really don't have anything to live for. That's the idea behind terminal values. So what do those things look like? Well, Okay, I have to go and get all academic-y now. Milton Rokic, in his book Understanding Human Values, did some groundbreaking work on this way back when I was just a snot-nosed kid. Obviously, his work has endured. Now, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, but I do want to point out a few of the sorts of things that Rokic noted as terminal values. His work identified 18 of these terminal values that he believed were universal across cultural divides and cultural lines. Now, I took the liberty of making a few adjustments and updating them in terms that are really more familiar to us today. Here are some of his values. A comfortable life. An exciting life. Equality. Social justice. 
freedom, health, love, pleasure, salvation, accomplishment, social equity, environmental health, wisdom, and beauty. Now, according to Rokich, those are the kinds of things that people hold as terminal values, and you'll notice something about them. They're all big-picture things that are mostly out of our control. Most of the things we care most deeply about are things we can't do anything about. Yes, we can make a difference or orient ourselves in a particular direction, but ultimately, it's not up to me. And that's the thing about terminal values. They are big, they are important, and they're pretty amorphous. And people feel very strongly about them. So strongly, in fact, that they're willing to fight for their own terminal values. The point is this. We don't all think alike. And the fact that there are 18 to 20 terminal values should get our attention. Terminal values tend to be so important to us that we probably spend most of our time hanging out with people who share the same or generally the same terminal values. There's a matter of social gravity involved with this that I think is a key factor in it. You don't have to look very far to see that these terminal values are really a set of standard philosophical constructs from across history. Have a favorite terminal value? Well, you can probably find an ancient philosopher or philosophy to back you up. See, now one level up from our terminal values are the instrumental values. Now there are 18 of these as well, and Rokic saw them as universal across cultural lines. Now I'm going to give you Rokic's full list of instrumental values in alphabetical order. They are ambition, broad-mindedness, capability, cheerfulness, cleanliness, courage, forgiveness, helpfulness, honesty, Imagination, intellectualism, logic, ability to love, loyalty, obedience, politeness, responsibility, and self-control. Quite a list. Well, you probably have opinions about these. I know I do. Paul Fussell, kind of a curmudgeon philosopher, shaped my thinking about loyalty. He called it a stupid virtue because it didn't consider anything beyond itself, a kind of blind loyalty with any kind of consideration of the compromises involved. Thanks to Paul Fussell, I kind of cringe when people talk about loyalty. Now, I use that as an example. When I read that list, there were probably some that made you go, well, yuck! And that's actually the wonder of values. If you hold a particular value, it's very difficult to convince you that it's wrong or that mine are right. If you happen to have a love for loyalty as a value, then my comments probably made you feel just a little bit icky. Here's the thing. Instrumental values get played out as behaviors. Now, a few days ago, I had a discussion with some friends about some of this, and my dad had a big influence on me by shaping some of those behaviors and values in me. The best example in that, hold the door for everyone. Men, women, it doesn't matter. My dad liked to say that it doesn't cost any more to treat people with respect. So I got into a habit, hold the door whenever possible. Twice I got yelled at by people who assumed I thought they weren't capable. You know, I think people are perfectly capable, but I also think people are worthy of respect. 
And that's pretty deeply ingrained in me. And that value, that practice, is not likely to change. And no, I don't think it's being old-fashioned. People need to know that you recognize that they're there. People need to know that in some way, they matter. See, I was brought up with three core values. And I'm not even sure that my parents were aware of them at the time. I was raised with a commitment to social justice. That was built on my dad's conviction that we are all created in the image of God and everyone is worthy of honor and respect. I was also raised to care about creation. My dad was an environmentalist before the term even existed. In our household, littering and waste was strictly forbidden because, as dad put it, God only gave us one earth and we need to take care of it. Finally, I was raised to put a high value on my Christian faith, and thanks to a lot of good friends and mentors, to make that faith my own. I suppose Rokic would identify that as the terminal value salvation, but I see it a little more broadly than that, and ultimately, it's not about me. It boils down to honor God, love people. You get the idea, though. Instrumental values vary every bit as much as terminal values. When somebody does something that I consider to be rude, selfish, or just wrong, I have a phrase that I use. Don't you have a mother? You see, those instrumental values are almost really handed down to us from moms and dads and other folks who told us how to behave. Often, those things get handed down to us in ways that we don't even recognize. But we can also intentionally adopt instrumental values based on our own growth and development as a person. See, here's the thing about instrumental values. They, and the behaviors that grow out of them, are designed to point your life toward certain terminal values. Now, there's not a one-to-one correlation between terminal values and instrumental values. You may share the same set of instrumental values with people who have radically different terminal values. And so, this concept of human diversity becomes even more complex. Here's what you, here's what you want to keep in mind. Terminal values are where you're going. Big picture. And instrumental values are how you get there and the behaviors that support that. And now, I want to talk about instrumental values in some ways that Rokic never saw coming. Just a couple of years ago, I read about this emerging field of philosophical counseling. Apparently, this practice began on the west coast of the United States with philosophy majors who found themselves unemployed. I know, it sounds like a joke, but this is the real deal, so stay with me. Philosophical counselors started cropping up to help people make sense of their lives. See, their argument was that not all stress in life is caused by psychological issues, and that people may, need, may not need medication simply because they feel bad about their life. These philosophy majors reasoned that part of the problem was that people were living their lives in ways that conflicted with the things that they said were most important to them. I think they had a point. In other words, if you say you care deeply about environmental issues and you drive some huge scalawag behemoth, that's going to create some dissonance stress in your life. And if you say you care about social justice and act like an absolute jerk to everyone you talk to, you're going to create some dissonance stress. 
I kind of side with the unemployed philosophy graduates on this one. If your way of life does not point to the things that you really think are valuable, no wonder you're depressed and feel like carp. If you want to be an effective leader, you have to learn to figure out how to live out your instrumental values in ways that do move you toward your terminal values. And you have to find ways to help people identify their own terminal values so that you can motivate them in the right direction. Incidentally, that is the right direction for them, not necessarily for you, because you can't define someone else's values for them. I guess in a way this does connect to motivation, because once you find out what people care about, you can help them design their work and the reason for their work around the things that they care about. But first, you have to be able to do that in your own life. This is really hard work, and it's hard work for all of us. First of all, it requires us to figure out our own terminal values. There are tricks to this. And to help you figure them out, because they rarely show up on their own, you need to at least know one of your instrumental values and how you choose to live it out. In other words, know the value and the behavior that goes with it. One more time, here's Rokic's list of instrumental values. Ambition, broad-mindedness, capability, cheerfulness, cleanliness, courage, forgiveness, helpfulness, honesty, imagination, intellectualism, logic, ability to love, loyalty, obedience, politeness, responsibility, and self-control. Pick one of those values and think about how you live it up. That is not what I meant. Think about how you live it out, not how you live it up. <laughs> anyway, think about how you live that out. For instance, how does capability show up in your life? How about honesty? Or, okay, how about loyalty? Once you've done that, it's time to be a wise guy. Now, guy in the non-gender specific sense of the term. Ask why. Be a wise guy. Ask why do I do that behavior? Why do I care about that value? And your brain will give you back a little because statement. And ask why again. And get back another because. And keep doing that. Some authors suggest that you have to run through five whys to get to the bottom line. I think people need to be tougher on themselves, so plan on going to seven. If you're honest with yourself, you'll find your way to one of your terminal values. And when you figure out the terminal values that matter to you most, you can configure your life and your instrumental values to support that. It's a major cleaning and reorganization process, and Marie Kondo would be so proud of you. This is not the kind of work that you can do on your own. You're going to need some help. You're going to need trusted friends. You're going to need advisors. And in most Christian traditions, a spiritual director. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. I can be so self-deceptive when it comes to this kind of thing. And I need honest people who will help me see the reality of things and how I'm really living. Ask yourself this question, and ask it regularly. Do your instrumental values and behaviors align with the things that you consider to be most important? If not, you've got some work to do. Align your life 
with the terminal values that are most important to you. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big-picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.